The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey, Mom, what do uh, 16-year-olds care about? When I was 16, all I cared about was smashing the patriarchy and burning it all down. It's so nice not to be on anyone's radar. Totally. If you keep your head down, we'll move on and bother somebody else. I'm going to keep my head up. Hi. Revolution, baby! Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And we have a really special guest with us tonight for a very special reason. Uh, We have with us the host of High School Slumber Party, a wonderful podcast that I know you all listen to, Mr. Brian Rodriguez. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the show. Happy to be on The Contenders. We've been like uh, podcast roommates for a while now. So <laughs> both Cage Club Podcast Network family. So happy to finally make the trip here. You guys have been on my show for separate episodes. So just happy to be here. Yeah, this is the there. first time the three of us are all in one place. That's right. For podcasting That's right. and for yes. life. And life, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as far as we know, you never know if we've... Encounter each other in some random Midwestern. That's airport. true. <laughs> who knows, right? Who you walked walked past in, in Chicago's O'Hare, um, and it could happen again. Very true. Hopefully. So, um, Brian, would you tell our audience the exciting thing that we're going to do? Yes, yes. I am so excited to be here for a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is. We have a little project coming up on High School Slumber Party. High School Slumber Parties, uh, I don't know, we're getting a little bit more advanced in the years. We're in our junior year. We feel like the uh, slumberers need to up their education a bit, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think it's time. So uh, I have invited you. Yes. To to uh, well, not you, Tobin. Sorry. No, I've been left <laughs> entirely out of this. <laughs> I am merely the vessel here. I'm, I'm, I'm Eric, the intern to your uh, your show here. Apologies, apologies. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we have something called High School Slumber Party AP up our sleeves, and I'm super excited for it. Um, basically, I did this project where I don't know why I did this to myself, but <laughs> at the end of 2020, I said, I'm going to watch every high school film that came out in 2020 and give a little brief review for uh, the slumbers out there. And again, if you haven't put two and two together, uh, contender fans, but <laughs> my show over on High School Slumber Party, we talk teen films. So I figured it was going to be like five films, 10 <laughs> films, and it ended up being 30 something films. Wow. Amazing. Which I did, I saw in a week. I planned to do it in a weekend. I had to break it up into two episodes, and I just watched them. I work from home, so it was a little bit easier. I wasn't watching them with a complete notebook analytical eye. I just kind of wanted to, you know, watch them to watch them. <laughs> and my eyes hurt, but <laughs> but I noticed that there were so many great films that came out in 2020. And not okay, great films might be stretching it. Great teen mm-hmm. films, teen films that I felt like should not be missed. Mm. And I think a lot of them were missed because obviously 2020 
difficult year. There was no theatrical runs. And the stuff that was streaming, like the, the hits were being seen, but these little movies that were supposed to debut on festivals and get the word of mouth thing, it just wasn't happening. They were very accessible, but everyone, go onto Netflix, go onto Amazon. There's a lot of movies you could watch. How are you going to find these little things? So I was like, I want to talk about it. And I couldn't do it alone. And I mm -hmm. thought the best person that I could do it with was Island. So I invited her on. And I mean, I was surprised at how quickly you were like, this sounds fun. Let's do this. Yes, absolutely. For someone who does not check their non-work email very frequently, I responded right away, very excited um, because I, I'm not uh, professionally a, a teen film connoisseur as you are, but it's absolutely a type of film, a genre, an area of movies that I love to watch. And I think most, not all, because The Abyss is in there, but most of my favorite movies of all time are somehow <laughs> teen high school, um, you know, even coming of age type things. Um, obviously, it, if anybody has listened to the Perks of Being a Wallflower episode, I think mm -hmm. think you under, uh, understand my passion from there. So I was super excited. I have not seen very many, if not many people have a small handful of the the movies on Brian's list, so that will be fun too. They will be my first watching, um, and I agree for all those reasons. I think it's so important um, because that that I feel like we are adding some of that word of mouth um, that maybe was left um, because people had other things on their minds and and in their mouths. So. Hopefully. <laughs> well, hopefully nothing in their mouths because they had masks on. But um, in I any think case, speak, you know. I'm excited. And um, so folks can look forward to High School Slumber Party AP on uh, the first Monday of the month, correct? Yeah, we're going to be doing that on the first Monday of the month. I'm excited because we have, again, we have a lot of films that I really want to talk about, especially talk about with you. Um, and we're calling it AP because movies, and we're going to cover movies from like 2018 till now, 2020, 21. And it, it, they're just, they're at a different level that not all of them. We will talk about we will talk about a newer American Pie film. Oh, okay, so when American Pie is on the list, so don't worry. <laughs> but they're Thank just God. so they're just so different <laughs> than um, you know films I love. Look, I love films of the '80s. I love films of the '90s. They're the bread and butter of High School Slumber Party. But this podcast has let me discover these films, these modern teen films, and these artists that are doing such different things. And I'm like, I got to talk about it. I need to talk about it. I need to talk about it with someone smart, who's passionate. And <sighs> Tobin, I'm going to call you out because this jogged my memory a little bit. We were supposed to have a triple podcast, the three yep. of us on High School Slumber Party. Yep. You you bailed. And that's the I first did. time uh, me and Eisen had to work our way through something because you did not <laughs> like Jennifer's body. And so many people were looking forward to that episode. And I was like, so, so on it. So I'm like, oh, Oh, and then we had to do again. We swam through it. And that's when I knew though, that's when I knew that we could if we could conquer that, we could conquer anything. And like you said, that, that perks of being a wallflower episode was really great. But then you you proved something else to me. What when you were what was the what was the cheerleading movie we did together? Now it's fired up. 
Fired up, yeah. Oh, Iceland's fired up. Yes, yes, yes that's what F it was. You, yeah. I remember sending an email to just everyone on the network, and uh, for all I had a cheer movie series, and you were the only one who signed up for Fired Up, and you were so excited about it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. It was a really, really fun episode. So I, I know I've said excited a lot today, but I, I can't say it enough. I'm really excited uh, to do that episode with you. I mean, all the episodes. Uh, let me. Thank you. I'm excited as well. And and I feel like this movie is a great um, entrance point into that, what you're saying about some great movies that are contemporary and that handle um, the high school environment uh, differently, perhaps in mm-hmm. some ways and the same in others. And so, so excited to get to it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, um, you know, letting us... <laughs> For this one in your territory and for joining us. Um, I was just going to say, I, I'd like to, that, hearing all that, uh, I will officially take credit for this new podcast <laughs> as my bailing on Jennifer's body uh, sort of germinated the, uh, the, the duo here. So I, I'm thrilled. But I'm I'm thrilled to, to listen to these uh, to this podcast because it's these are these are the kinds of movies that I love and don't just don't always get to and so hearing the two of you parse through them all is going to be a real joy in the the coming months. And that's one thing, Tobin. That you hit the nail on the head with that. I feel like when I talk about these movies with people I know and fans of or listeners of the show, fans of high school movies, are always like, "Oh, I meant to see that." But I really didn't get to see it, you know. I hope that we can just give a little bit more reason to see these films. Because, like I said, a lot of them are really, really fun, really, really great, and just different. Yeah. Love it. At this point, we typically talk about how folks came to this movie. Um, it came out on Netflix uh, <laughs> a week, two weeks ago. And so my assumption is that we all watched it on Netflix sometime <laughs> in the last two weeks. <laughs> You're gonna tell people what it is? Oh shoot! I'm so sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> we are talking about 2021's Moxie. Yeah, we are. So excited, Tobin! Would you give us a little bit of his film history for this brand new piece of art? Absolutely. So our two bits of film history we start with uh, was shot in and around Portland, Oregon. Uh, which is a which is a cool place um, near where I went to college, um, and uh, I'm near where I live. I don't didn't want to out your location unless you wanted. I wasn't going to do that all on my own. Right. So in close to where Eisen lives, yes, yes. Um, the the second thing is that uh, so Jennifer Matthew, whose book the movie is based on. Um, she ran a feminist zine in college in Chicago uh, called Jennifer. Um, And then uh, now she teaches at a high school in Texas where she sponsors the school's student feminist club. I love the, that's another movie I want to see is the student feminist club in this, in this, and I am that's banking on all kinds of stereotypes about high school, Texas high schools um, and what, what that would be like, but I would be interested in in those, in those sort of cross-cultural cross, cross cultural, uh, uh, that, that sort of milieu. Uh, she had a great quote that I, uh, that I thought was worth reading leading into this, um, where she's talking about, this is an interview after the movie has been, has been made sort of to promote the film. Uh, so Jennifer Matthew, the author of the book says to me, feminism, ever since I discovered it through riot girl, the words that come to mind are joy and liberation. It's liberating ourselves from prepackaged societal norms and what better world it would be if we could all just be our full and complete 
themselves, which I thought was a, a cool kind of um, it, the movie, I think, captures that spirit in a lot of ways. Yeah. So those are, that, those are our two bits. That's a great quote. Thank you for that. Um, I, I love that liberation is where she started because I think that's where a lot of conversations right now around anti-oppression, anti-racism, um, anti-violence stuff are, and that's fantastic. And I can't wait until we're able to learn and unlearn and crunch through to get to that place of liberation. And I love it that that path was already there, you know, for her and, and, and for us. And yeah, I like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, Aislinn, could you uh, tell us who the women involved in major roles in Moxie happen to be? Maybe, maybe uh, you've, you've heard about them. (laughs) Maybe you've seen them. Kevin did add a couple exclamation points here. So I'm going to do my best to (laughs) editorialize appropriately. So actors, Hadley Robinson, Lauren Sai, Alicia Pascal Pena, Sabrina Haskett, Sydney Park, Angelica Washington, Amy Poehler, and Marsha Gay Harden. That was for Marsha. That was. Thanks, Marsha. <laughs> Director Amy Poehler. Writers Tamara Chesna and Dylan Mayer. As Towin mentioned, um, novel by Jennifer Matthew. Producers, Amy Poehler and Kim Lessing. Editor, Julie Monroe. Casting by what I've heard as everyone's favorite casting director, Allison Jones. And production design, Aaron McGill. And then the page split, so that wasn't an (laughs) and. Art direction, Rebecca Shays. And Alana Dempwolf Barrett. And set direction, Kimberly Wanup. What a lineup. What a lineup. I, I love it when my finger gets tired of, of all the dings because we have so many, so many ladies in charge there. That that was great. <laughs> Good work. Good work. I, I once texted Tobin very late at night. Is Allison Jones a person or a company? And I think your answer was both. Uh, yes, yes. That's it's too late. <laughs> All right. So we're hoping that folks are out there watching, adding to adding to the numbers of folks watching this movie. If you haven't made it there yet, um, Tobin, could you give us a summary of what this movie is about? Yes, but just quickly before I do, to circle back to what you just said, Allison Jones. Allison Jones is responsible for for, for casting things like Freaks and Geeks, uh, The Office, Lady Bird, The Good and Place, Deep Impact. Oh, The Good oh. Place. Yep. Uh, so lots of uh, Arrested Development. I mean, lots of lots of things. So we we love we love us some Allison Jones. Uh, yes. Okay. So here's what we have for the plot of Moxie. Moxie follows Vivian, played by Hadley Robinson, an unassuming high school kid who awakens to the sexism and misogyny all around her when Lucy, the new girl at school, played by the fierce Alicia Pasquale Pena, refuses to take it lying down. Inspired by the discovery of a box in her mom's closet loaded with riot girl paraphernalia the utterly fa- and utterly failed by the adult authority figures in her school, Vivian starts 
starts anonymously publishing a feminist zine that sparks a rebellion that might, just might, bring lasting change to her school, her relationships, and herself. Very nice. Sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) So. um... So. Moxie. (laughs) Moxie. I love a movie set in the Pacific Northwest. What can I say? <laughs> that, that was the, my main takeaway from the film as well. That's what I really was like. Wow. Pacific Northwest representation. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just like for me, just from some like high school slumber party background yeah. on this film, I try to keep my ear to the ground or, you know, ear to the old rail to try to hear what's coming out. We're always looking for our our ladybirds or our book smarts, our films that are going to really be a talking point. Um, Moxie was one of those that a lot of people said would be a talking point film. I, it's getting good reviews, not great reviews. There's a lot of people who are disappointed in it. But I'll tell you what, there have been plenty of people just messaging me about it, wanting to talk about it. Um, again, mostly positive stuff, some stuff that they weren't too happy with. Uh, Again, most, and I don't want no one's like messaging me and being like, why did they make a movie about this? It's mostly <laughs> like, oh, they should have gone farther with this, or what was this kind of choice here? Uh, but it's something that I don't know if that it's going to become that kind of movie where it's like instantly iconic, like Booksmart. I'm not sure about that, but people are definitely talking about it. It's one of those films that I know I did a whole spiel about movies that don't really get recognized, but I think the Amy Poehler attachment has really allowed this to be recognized and this to be seen. And just as a fan of teen films, that's all I can really ask for. So I'm happy people are watching it and talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I mentioned it in class today to a bunch of, uh, of undergrad students that I was covering this movie, that I'd watched this movie and was going to cover it. Um, uh, I would say maybe like 50% of them, which is a pretty high number for a movie that just came out on Netflix. That's not, maybe not, 100% geared toward that audience uh, had seen it and were very positive about wow, about great. it. So that that was really cool. Uh, and in fact, one of our grad student TAs was like, we should do this as the final film in one of our film classes to to do, to do the final on for a variety of reasons that are kind of specific to that class. But I would agree, this seems to be more in the conversation than maybe I imagined it would because it I didn't there wasn't a lot of lead up to it in my in my view I mean I knew she was working on this movie I knew like I knew a little bit about it but suddenly it was like oh guess what next week this Amy Poehler movie is gonna or you know, two weeks now the Amy Poehler movie is gonna drop and I'm texting guys and saying we should cover this movie because Amy Poehler's got this new movie coming out and then so um you know there wasn't a lot of build up but I, I do feel like people are talking about it I agree that's what Netflix does though. They, they have a very weird strategy sometimes where they don't really like promote it to like a week before you're like, Oh wow. Amy Poehler did this. Great. And then you watch it. They, Netflix is so ahead of all the other streaming services that if you get a teen film on Netflix and they run one trailer for it, it's going to be watched so many more times than the one Amazon picks up or the one Hulu picks up or Disney plus. Cause all those streaming services last year when I did my project had four or five teen films at least. And no one watched those, but the Netflix yeah. ones were the ones that got the traction. Hey, they know what they're doing, and uh, bravo for whatever <laughs> whatever they were thinking here. Because, yeah, th- that's the one thing, again, everyone, at least in my circle, everyone is talking about this film. I've had that experience, Brian, where I have backed into something on Amazon that had – I had no, no – like, mm-hmm. 
nothing behind it. Just that algorithm picked it up for me. Um, I watched this movie yesterday. I, re- I really liked it. Um, can, let's can we start with the Amy Poehler of it all. Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's I was dig. Watching someone who I would say enjoys Amy Poehler, but not does not necessarily flock to Amy Poehler products, or is like tepidly a fan. I don't know how to say it. Um, a casual, a casual Polar fan. Casual Polar fan, not a Parks and Rec fan. Just kind of, and we both remarked at. If we're even just isolating acting of Amy Poehler, I think this is some of her best work. I think she does an outstanding job of playing the mother, which depending on your teen film and depending on any film, but depending on the lens would not be sympathetic or would not be multidimensional. And, and I love how way toward the end at, at one point, she's like, no, you I'm your mother and I'm a person. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like, talk to me like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like I am not a parent. I, I would guess that that is something that goes through parents' minds a lot and maybe <laughs> is said or not. But, um, but I, I thought her acting work was great and I'm interested in y'all's perspective on that and how you feel like this film was directed. Maybe we start like big and then get little. I mean, from my end, I mean, Amy Poehler uh, is is great, but uh, we remember her on my show for her uh, performance uh, in Mean Girls as like the cool mom, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so cool mom. iconic. Yeah, she, right? she's a different cool mom in this film, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're right. Uh, she was so good at. Um, just being a human being, not just a mom character. Uh, Some of the criticisms that people have had of the film is that some of the characters are a little one dimensional. She is not one of them at at all. I mean, by the way, I don't necessarily agree with that criticism. It's just something I've heard from people, Uh, but she's great in this. And again, especially just, you just feel what she's saying when she's saying it. Um, Director wise, I, I think she did an excellent job too. It's, I mean, her voice is all over this film, and um, it, it's something that if she can elevate this film to, at the very least, to get people to watch it with her presence, and then really carry the whole thing, she, she's the MVP of my book. In my book, of the entire process here. Yeah, awesome. I loved how stripped down her performance was. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she's an actor who can, uh, and I mean this in the in the best sense, who can dial it up. I mean, you you think about Mean Girls is a great example. Uh, you know, you think about um, her, her sketch work. Um, she can be big, uh, and that can work great. Um, but what this shows me too is that she's really attuned to the frequency of the thing that she's making, and can. And can adjust in a way that um, she's she's never pulling focus from other people in this movie when she's in a scene. She's just she's sort of it's a very giving performance. Mm. And from what I read in, in terms of interviews with the actors looking for the bits of film history, she really worked to create that atmosphere among the cast in particular, and I'm assuming the crew too, where it was m- supposed to feel like a very, there's a, there are a lot of like stop and dance party moments as they're oh, wow. setting up the next shot. And like she was, she was the, um, you know, the best kind of 
they called her a maternal figure to the to these to these actors in particular in a way that's both sort of like we need to do this here's what we need to do i need to get what i need but also like let's have fun doing it and like any idea is good and you know or worth exploring so it, you really i really felt that in the performance in a way that it doesn't blend into you know beige in the background but it's just there to kind of it's just there to kind of support and it's not trying to be you know, too cute. It was an, it was a neat thing to see, uh, to see her do a side that she doesn't always get to show in the projects that she's, that she's put in or that she chooses as when she's just an actor. You know, I, I feel like it shows a really nice, I am a huge Amy Poehler fan. Let me just yeah, say, yeah. And so <laughs> I have consumed a lot of the content, including, you know, getting my hands on little bits of the UCB TV show that was very briefly out mm-hmm. in, like early, early 90s? It wasn't 80s. It was early 90s, yeah? Has to be, yeah. VHS. Um, and having read her book a couple of times. And so I, I agree with everything. I felt her in all the moments <laughs> she wasn't there when Vivian is exploring all her old stuff and getting mm. that inspiration. Like I felt like those artifacts were, those felt to me authentically kind of Amy Poehler and the time of Amy Poehler. I'm I'm trying to yeah, say yeah. it wasn't so specific that it was only her story, but it's in line with what I've heard, you know, her tell me about her life. And especially in that kind of early wild, like she's a founding member of UCB, right? Like she made this shit up that now means something when someone says, I'm a UCB improviser. Have you? Right. And she's had a family. She has kids. She's doing all the things. And so it, it just feels like such a beautiful snapshot of where she is artistically and mm-hmm. potentially like with her, her feminism and, and her other like ideology and, and the way she lives her life. I don't know. I could be reading into it as a fan, but, um, but I just it just felt really authentic. It feels very personal. All, all the, the whole movie feels very personal in that way, and refracting through this next generation. And this is the thing that that um, Jennifer Matthew talks about in the interviews too, of an attempt to sort of bring the 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 best of the feelings and experiences of the Riot Girl era to a new generation, and hopefully leave the stuff that wasn't that they view as not as useful or not as positive behind sure. um, in terms of being more intersectional and things like that. I, I the, the movie to me, in terms of her directing, the movie feels really solid. Um, the, she, she's, I think she's great with actors. I mean, she, she clearly gets, I think she gets some, some great performances in this movie from a lot of different people who again are playing in, in gears lower or higher than they usually, than they usually do. Um, I do, it doesn't have quite the, the the um there's a sense there was a sense in Booksmart and I hate to fully compare these two movies which they're different movies they're trying to do different things but that movie felt like a person making a movie saying I'm gonna do everything I can in case I never get to make another movie again mm-hmm. and like just sink into it and just do it all in one movie uh, and I think that worked really well for that movie this is more like this is my second movie this is really important to me it's really personal I'm making this movie and then I'm gonna make another one and then I'm gonna make another one and like build build something brick by brick if that, mm-hmm. that makes sense so that it's it plays at a lower register than than something like book smart in a way that makes it hard for me to to see um are, are some of the choices in terms of the way scenes are shot or the transitions between scenes 
it's a little casual in a way that's not necessarily bad. Um, but I, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see as much of the authorial voice in the way it's directed shot to shot as I do in the way the performances are handled. Excellent. <laughs> was it meant for theatrical release? Do you know, or was it always meant for Netflix? Her first movie was at Netflix. I think her deal is with Netflix. Wine so I'm Country. assuming that Wine Country was Netflix. I think she's just making movies for Netflix, which is also then because the budget's going to be different than something like Booksmart's going to have as well. So that that prob- that may have something to do with it for sure too. Yeah. It's funny that uh, you mentioned that too, because one of the big criticisms that, not that I'm really uh, hearing from uh, my listeners so much, just general reviews is like oh it wasn't funny enough it wasn't the amy polar i expected which is just it's so that's silly it's, so, yeah. it's like what did you expect here like a parks and recreation episode like that's yeah. but that's another like i don't want to say problem with netflix but it's another thing that happens on netflix because you do have people say oh amy polar haha and they expect this one thing and instead you get this kind of beautiful understated story that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a comedy that's trying to hit for these beats left and right. right so i of all the criticisms i think that's the most unfair one that i'm reading a lot of yep there, there is a the the uh, it's hard for people well two things one i wonder if it's a function of the way netflix releases these movies when it is so fast you don't have time to marinate in a trailer in a theater True. three months before the movie comes out to get a sense of what it's really going to be um and so so there's part of it's that but it drives me crazy when people uh, and I, I'm, we all do it sometimes when people want the movie to be something it's not. Um, oh let's look at what the movie is and what it's trying to be and measure it against how effective it is at doing the thing it's trying to do, as opposed to, I wish this was more like something else because <laughs> that's not what they were trying to do. You know, this isn't trying to be laugh a minute wild ride. This is trying to pair it with all kinds of other things that, that the movie's concerned about. And those are the things I think it does really well. And I'm really like happy that Amy Poehler's like so secure that she doesn't feel like she needs to deliver to whatever those promises are, you know, like that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's something I really recognized with her directing here. You got, you made me sweaty there, Tobin, um, because that uh, expectation or, oh, could it be this? instead kind of thing i'm not rephrasing that very well um was so prevalent in graduate school of like (laughs) here committee here is here's my proposal for what i want to study or even worse here's what i studied and then all these really smart intellectuals are like ah but what if it was about this instead i spent three years on this it is what it is you study that Right. So thanks for, the, <laughs> thanks for that flashback. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing with, with, with movies that you come into with stars that, you know, in this way, Brian, as you're saying, like Amy Poehler is, has, has a brand. And if you're not fully an Amy Poehler, if you're, if you're more casual, if you're a more casual fan, you may only know the sketch stuff or the, um, or the uh, Parks and Rec stuff and not that she could, that she has these other concerns and other interests. If you look deep enough in all that other work, it's all there. Like, she, this isn't new. You wouldn't watch this and say, that doesn't seem like Amy Poehler. <laughs> it's just it's just exploring, it's just putting the emphasis somewhere else on things that she's concerned about, it seems mm-hmm. to me. Eisen's the expert on Amy Poehler, but that's, that's how it read to me. You know what uh, this movie has also? Yes, I do. I know where you're going, but you say it first. A Band of Misfits. Ooh, one of your favorites. Oh, you thought I was going to say Tom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's your that's your thing. Yeah, love a band of misfits. Um, 
And that part was, so I, for me, there were aspects of this that were uh, expected. You know, once the movie got started, I was like, oh, I think this and this and this is going to happen, right? Your brain just does that. And there yep. were parts that were very, like, I did not expect, you know, to be navigated toward or away from. Um, but I was. I was primed for a band of, band of misfits. And I I was pleased, I think. Um, again, this is my, this is sort of my first taste of what this very contemporary teen film um, looks like. Although, yes, we covered uh, Booksmart as well and Lady Bird. And, but for this new era of thinking about movies, um, I felt like the cast held together pretty hmm. well. Particularly, I am particularly talking about like the, um, the young women at the moment. We can talk about the dudes as well. Um, it, it's, I assume it's obligatory. <laughs> Getting patriarchy. Um, <laughs> but I, I loved the um, Hadley uh, that plays Vivian. I, it's not, you don't always have to, you don't have to look like the famous parent in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I did feel that chemistry. I mean, she looked like she could easily have been Aunt Fuller's child. And mm-hmm, there, totally. they had some of that ease. And like you said, already Tobin the it felt casual I think it felt comfortable mm-hmm. um and and I felt the same way about the um you know Vivian and Claudia as as best friends I got like babysitters club vibes there and then you just drop Lucy in as like the bath bomb to change the atmosphere and mm-hmm. and that was really effective for me in that like catalyst to get things started um and I thought that I thought Lucy's performance was fantastic. I mean, but truly, I think all the all those folks, um, including I'm gonna have to look up the name because okay. I, I forgot. Um, I was I was watching with our mother, who um, we used to watch Glee together back in the day, um, and so I was excited to see um, a a Glee alum. I don't know how to conjugate alum, but um, <laughs> Josie Josie Tota, who played CJ, um, was on Glee in the later seasons huh. when they were, in my opinion, trying to move things perhaps forward and maybe make up for some um, kind of trite mm. beginnings uh, or yep, sure. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. stereotypical beginnings, and. Um, and so I think this is one of the first times that I've seen an actor who has made a transition. Um, I've seen I've seen them um, in roles at different points in that transition. And so I was just so delighted to have that character included. To if you mm-hmm. are listening, you would hear right that that's part of their story, but it also did not. It wasn't like here's our trans character and here's our. Um, wheelchair user character, and right. here is our you know bisexual character, and and that I I liked the way there was subtlety in how they presented the the diversity that they which was clearly intentional but not like signposted to death. Mm-hmm. 
it was organic the way it all came together and felt like a real place. That's the other cool thing is that, and I would be interested, Brian, in your point of view, having seen so many contemporary and, and older high school movies, but it, this, it felt like a real school. Like sometimes you see, when I look at these movies, sometimes you see, it feels like more artificial. The clicks that show up are more artificial or, or they're, they're more types. And this, this movie felt like they were trying to find the real people that kind of all come together as opposed. And so, so I could sort of see it all um, unfolding in a real place. How do you feel about the way that all came together in terms of the way it's cast? Oh yeah. Couldn't agree more. And the performances were just uh, outstanding, especially again, in this genre. Um, I just, so sometimes these movies do play it for fun effect, like the clicks, like, again, we'll go back to Mean Girls. That's what the, the movie's all about that. But this, it just feels really organic, really lived in this high school, mm. real, um, that these people know each other, have backgrounds. It wasn't just like the new person in school meeting everyone. This is what's going on, which look, trust me, I love that too. I'm not going to pretend here that I don't love that. But uh, (laughs) These characters were so great. And again, uh, I don't keep going back to some criticisms, but one of the criticisms that I do find funny, that is actually, I think an effect of these great characters that a lot of people said have been saying, why are we focusing so much on Vivian? We have so many interesting people around her that I love so much. I kind of wish this was more an ensemble tale. (laughs) You know, and and where I get a lot of that, especially that so many of these people are people of color and they have their stories, too. And that's being recognized. Um, Alicia Pascual Pena, who uh, was already mentioned, she was the standout for me Um, personally. Like I'm Dominican and I never saw a Dominican person in a high school movie until like two years ago. And now um, Mm -hmm. Netflix has been really like repping it. And uh, the representation, again, is so important. It was so awesome seeing her. And. I don't necessarily have that criticism, but isn't it kind of a good thing that you want to see more from these side characters in this band of misfits, right? Totally, totally. And that that they all feel fully human. So you're like, oh, they must have other lives and whole stories that we could see as opposed to just being there to – that's that's maybe maybe the the, the way I, that I would respond to those critics is to say they're functioning. They're not just there to function against or for Vivian. They're functioning on their own. They're all working together. They Vivian would not have, would not have done what she would not have. Her her journey is not the only journey taking place in the in the movie, and and that develops as the movie goes along. I, I fully. I, I mean, I understand the criticism of you know as you say, so many of the people of color are in these secondary supporting roles, um, and and it's a it's a. Um, you know, that's a totally valid criticism. And maybe there should be, maybe it should be, have, we should have shifted focus to a different family and that been the one that was driving us through this. Um, uh, that doesn't change the, the, the experience that Vivian and her mom had both gone through in their own journeys here. And that that's what this movie is about. That's, that's what the movie is about. Um, and that the fact that it's giving such full lives to all of the characters, I mean, even the, even the adults, one of the adults in the movie, two, several of the adults in the movie feel like they have more full, full lives in a way. And it's, it's, that's a real credit, I think, not just to the writing of it, but, but to Amy Poehler's direction, to her choosing to sort of make sure that the time was taken to provide all those characters with full stories that you, that you then you could think, well, they could be a whole movie about that person. Yeah. Cause they really worked to make that person a, a person. So, you know, that's, that's, it's a good thing. As you say, that, that ends up being a good thing. hundred percent. Um, I really liked Sydney Park 
uh, in this movie. She plays Kira, the soccer player, um, uh, who has who who almost wins the 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 thing. Um, and um, there's a both both she and the and the the woman um, Angelica Washington who plays the other so- the sort of soccer player duo. Um, uh, they're just so grounded and real they felt like they just walked off of a soccer field into the movie like it didn't feel like like they were you know uh like like there was much acting going on even though there was i mean but but it, they felt very um very very real to me uh that way there were times that uh, um there were a few moments and i don't know if this is a makeup thing or a lighting thing or what where hadley robinson looked her age there were just a few moments where she suddenly didn't look like a teenager, but looked like a 20 something. And, and just, they're just sort of happened real quick. And it's like, well, you, that's, you know, so that threw me, I'm going to be honest, that threw me a, a couple of times uh, in her performance, but I love where she goes in this movie and how much um, when she is, when she has hurt other people and is, and is hurt herself. I really believe that she is hurt and has hurt other people and feels bad about that and is really struggling to find her way through it all. Um, and so I, I came around to it, but there were moments where I was like, Oh, how old are you again? And I know it's a high school movie thing. We just have oh, to get yeah. over. Um, <laughs> and it's not the most egregious. More about that. Tune in to high school yeah. slumber party and I'm high school sure. slumber party with me because I'm also, because I love this genre it's part to me it's part of the fun a little bit of it and and um the the hits and the misses in terms of matching an age with a (laughs) human i are are fun to me um and then sometimes you know purposefully done um for so that leads me i think i don't know but for anyone else, but but bringing that up leads me directly to Patrick Schwarzenegger. Okay. Um, because sure, there is a kid that looks like that in in <laughs> one who looks like that in most high schools, but um, but also very clearly grown. And here are here here are my biases coming out because we all sure. have, we all have them. We're human. It's like oh okay. What I said in my head and perhaps out loud was Patrick Schwarzenegger is playing exactly who I assume Patrick Schwarzenegger to be. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that that's unfair. Um, I'm also assuming he is not that person because he did it so well. I was Mm -hmm. truly frightened in the first half of when, when he is fully empowered by his community. I was angry and like i had i had a reaction uh, at the vending machine scene yes yes of panic of like there is this is violent there's there's violence here right there's a predatory angle there's violence here again i i I work in anti-violence work and so part of that is just you know that's where my spidey sense goes you're attuned to it yeah yeah and then the other thing I'm going to say while it's in my brain, but we don't have to go down this whole thing is um, once I realized it took place in Oregon and I realized it when um, the first time you see a pint of ice cream, because Umqua is um, a place in Oregon and a brand of, of ice cream in Oregon. Um, not quite Tillamook, but that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> I I don't, I, I don't work in, in, in K-12 schools in Oregon, but I'm, I'm close to it and I'm aware of Title IX and other things. Um, and this list, this ranking that, that 
we learn about first from Claudia and and from Claudia's perspective is kind of a, a benign reality and, and something right. intriguing. Um, if the school knew that, if the school knew that this came out and was, you know, harassment was impeding students' ability to be successful in high school based on, in part, their sex, yep. then absolutely that school could could be um, taken to task by the Office of Civil Rights. And that was the first thing I thought of. It was like, I get... Call and the I, number. Call the hotline. Oh, my gosh. And we get Shelly, the principals. I, I, the part that let me down a little bit was how kind of over-the-top stereotypical of like, well, if you tell me this, I'm going to have to do some paperwork. Cause, and, and I get that she's being the more regressive part, but... But that, you know, that was hugely disappointing that that's, and that's the point, I get it. Um, but it just, it just reminded me of, of things that happen in real life where, you know, um, it, I'm thinking of particularly of cases at like super ritzy private schools, but where mm. there are traditions that include whether it's pantsing or, um, or collecting names on a, on a chalkboard or assault and, Schools absolutely know this is going on. And when they do, regardless of a reporting party, they have to do something. They cannot, they cannot idly stand by. Even in new Title IX, they cannot idly stand by. So I don't know. That's just a thing of like, if there is a tradition of um, misogynistic or otherwise terrible shit going on at school, reach out and make sure that that the people in charge know that you know because that's absolutely not okay and um it just made me think of these all these headlines and and other things and and I put like my title 9 hat on so I'll take it off now um <laughs> no to, it's it's so good that's <laughs> to that's say so good. again that Patrick Schwarzenegger did a great job being one of my nightmares so I, I think you should keep that hat on because that is something that I've heard talking with people about this film. Um, just Marsha Gay Harden's, not her performance. I mean, she's an Oscar winner. I'm not criticizing her. But this character uh, that we're seeing this group uh, of women, young women who are so realistic and fleshed out. And she's like twirling her mustache kind of evil. She's not even... Um, I've heard someone said to me, she's not even like pretending that she's uh, going to report it and not reporting it. She's just like, well, this is what's happening here. Sorry. And it was one of the more um, critical points uh, of the film. Um, I don't know. And then Patrick Schwarzenegger too is getting a lot of uh, crap for not his performance, but like for the character. But you know what? I think that kind of made that one effective. If that makes sense. So I don't know if I had as much criticism for him or again, both these actors in this case, Ooh. but um, the administration here, whoa. Um, the teacher, and I forgot that character's name, I mean, that actor's name. Oh, Mike uh, Baronholtz. Yes, yes. We talked about him in Blockers. He's great. Ooh. I actually liked him because he couldn't, like, articulate at times what he wanted to say, and he took a lot of, like, yeah. easy routes <laughs> in class. He reminded me of some people I know, even some teachers I know, to be frank with you, <laughs> you know? So I thought that was a kind of a, a little bit more of an interesting character, a more realistic character, but the principal, uh, I had, I had my issues with. However, the list you mentioned, Island, I think that's the most 
realistic thing today that that I've seen because that has to do you know cyber stuff and behind the scenes. A lot of Gen Zers who have been watching this movie um, haven't really connected as much as millennials, believe it or not, with this film. But that's <laughs> something that they did uh, that I'm reading that they did say like, oh, this kind of stuff happens online. Yeah. So uh, I like. I'm using air quotes. I liked seeing that. Not that I liked that it existed. Right. Yeah, I I get that Marsha Gay Harden's character, or Shelley, Principal Shelley, um, has to have that harmful indifference so that the anger and everything boils over, right? If if she had responded the way she should have to Lucy, well, if she had responded to something probably years prior, right, if she had say, yeah. responded <laughs> appropriately there, we wouldn't have a movie, right? I would sleep better at night but we wouldn't have a movie um but i agree i would say with some of the criticism that that it was kind of an an easy way or like it's kind of an easy scapegoat for the indifference that like the general public honestly has or the um immediate questioning of of the victim that society has like right and what other kinds of crimes do we question the person who says i have been harmed in the way that we do around these you know person crimes or gender-based violence crimes we know that that's shitty and terrible and, and needs to change um so it was a little bit of like an easy way out and so i i, I agree that that i was sort of about that and we also know that when stuff like this happens, the backlash against the folks reporting is tremendous. And so in that sense, the Shelley character and what she represents is almost not enough, honestly. Right? I think um, the other piece of things that we didn't see as much would be the cyber backlash would be probably threats, probably threats of, of violence and death and all kinds of stuff for these young women speaking out. And so I guess I'm saying I'm standing on the teeter totter and I'm not happy either way. It was a little (laughs) cartoony and I didn't like that because it was too cartoony this way, but then it was also, not as much of the reality. Um, So not a perfect movie, but I think it served the purpose it needed to. And way to go, Marsha, for stepping in and doing this role (laughs) to be like the least likable person in the movie. (laughs) Which is hard to do with Patrick Schwarzenegger walking around. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Patrick Schwarzenegger. We love Chris Pine on this podcast. We don't like Patrick Schwarzenegger on this podcast. uh, So the success of this movie to me is the fact that we're talking about it like this because so many other films that just don't get recognized, don't have this dialogue. And I'm so happy that we're here having this dialogue, uh, this serious dialogue about this film. So just want to give a little, you know, yes, kind of a <laughs> side note thing that, that we're able to talk about it like this. And again, I feel like a lot of the criticism comes from the fact that it was kind of, or it is kind of seen as maybe the tentpole teen film of the year. Mm-hmm. So you have so many people watching it and just waiting to hit it with a hammer <laughs> in certain mm-hmm. places here or there. Because overall, I think it's I think it's an awesome film, and I think it accomplishes a lot of what it wanted to accomplish. Again, if it didn't go far enough, then I'm willing to hear that 
criticism. Uh, but otherwise, I I really enjoyed watching the film and I thought it was really, really, uh, you know, a, a success in my opinion. It really does seem the criticism seems to fall on, on, on the same teeter totter island that you where people either want it to be. You, I read headlines like um, doesn't have the 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 strength of its convictions. Like it doesn't follow through on the on the heavy themes that it's trying to deal with. And then others saying it's not funny enough, right? So it, it's it's because the movie I think threads that that needle pretty well. All things considered, like it hangs together as a movie. It's not like clearly wanted to be something else. But people want people. You know, I think that is that is a, a, a thing people wrestle with with the movie to stand up for uh, Marsha Gayhart. The, the characterization of principal. Shelley for a little bit and not just because I love me some Marsha Gay Harden um, but the two things one I think uh, the it, it is a little more I know what you mean about the more cartoony aspect of it um, t- two things one it felt to me like she was a character who really believed she was on the right side of things mm. um, and was it was if, when she says if you if I if you report this if you say this is harassment I got all this paperwork I got to do like it it was this it felt more like this, an older version of the way we get through this is to just get through it. The same thing Vivian says to Lucy early in the movie. Like, you know, she says, it's, re- it's great. You sent it stood up to him. Just like, keep your head down. And you know, he won't bug you anymore. It's like, I'm not gonna keep my head down. Right. So part of it's that we're now seeing that that is ingrained in the institution too. that sense of like, it's just the way things are. And we'll just get, we'll just got to get through it and you'll be fine. Like get through it and you'll be fine, which is just not sufficient. <laughs> um, then the other thing is that um, having had experiences as a teen with principal, assistant principal figures who were just you couldn't get through the levels of whatever to them as a as a human being. But like, there, there, I, I, I wonder how much of it too is that the movies from the teen's point of view and that skews the way that character yeah. is presented because she comes off as more mustache twirly villain because that's how she's seen by the students sure. because of her inaction um uh and and lack of action and i think that that might that might that's maybe overly generous reading of it given my uh my appreciation of the actor um the other thing about the was so i think smart about the way that uh patrick Schwarzenegger portrayed and was directed in the early scenes is that he you if you just took a snapshot of him if you saw a still from the movie you could line him up against all the other square jawed you know all american boy um teen you know comedy characters who were also creeps and violent but the movies didn't portray them that way right. think back to the John Hughes movies mm-hmm. the characters who are who are you know um, portrayed as all American, perfect, and then you, they're they're literally assaulting people in the movie, and the movie's not calling it out on that. So it's kind of canny to to you know use the iconography of that kind of character, and then to have him be violent and or potentially violent enough. That sense of kinetic energy, that potential violence that he has, and actual you know imitate imita- intimidation at that at that vending machine scene. Then when you get to the end of the movie, and there's the revelation that he did assault that he raped someone you believe it 100 percent. now we're meant to believe you know believe believe women when they say what's happened to them but the movie i I don't i don't mean in that way i mean that like the movies laid that all out for us we know he's dangerous 
Lucy says, this is dangerous. What he's doing is dangerous. Um, and so when the re revelation comes, it's not a surprise, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not a shock to us that, that, that this is in his past because I believe he's capable of it from those early scenes. And I think that was, it's a smart way to play that character against the history of that kind of character in these movies, the way they look and the way they've actually always operated. And this movie is just sort of making that clear, making that text mm -hmm. here. Yeah, that's a, no, really that, good that's point. a great, great point. And I, the only thing I just want to add is then how much I was very satisfied with then his last moment, right? So Moxie and all the other, um, and a lot of other young women um, go outside and they're having kind of their rally, if you will. Um, and Marsha Geharden is is watching and and listening a little bit. Um, and previously, we've had that experience where. She walks into a classroom and says, come with me uh, to someone. And we know that that means something. So it was so satisfying when regardless of whether, you know, because because she's asked earlier, like, do you like Mitchell? Like what right. you know, kind of to try to figure out where where she is? And we don't know personally where she is, um, nor does it matter in her role. But I love that that's how it ends. That's how his story ends, because at that right. point. I need no more of him. I need to know there is right. some comeuppance and then, and then he's gone. And I thought that just, you know, put a, put a bow on it. Yeah. Evaporates from the movie at that point. Yes, because it's not, it's not about him and, and, not that. Right. and wasn't. So um, yes. And I love that, the way that they dealt with him at the end. What did you think of Seth? Nico Hiraga. Our love interest in this movie. Uh, honestly, I, it's weird, but I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. It didn't. I, I kind of thought he. You didn't I don't know trust why. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought maybe he was like faking it the entire time, or just being a phony, or you know, one of those guys who says he's a feminist and then just trying to get in her pants. You know, maybe I'm conditioned from watching. Almost 200 teen films by now. See that? Just want to quickly add, add that part to it because I was like, he can't be this good, right? Like, <laughs> there has to be something wrong with him here. And that's going to be Tobin's complaint. Um, I think that's that's my guess is that that's Tobin. based on on our history with things, and particularly what I'm thinking of since we are in the presence of a, another teen movie aficionado. Um, Saved was my favorite movie for several years, nice. and I, I still enjoy it. It's not that anything happened; I just more movies came out, um, and I and I moved on from that particular set of of angers. Um, <laughs> but that is that was Tobin's um critique of um gosh, why can I not think of that kid's name, but the the love interest that um yeah, he's played by Patrick that continues Fugit. to sort of pursue. I, can't remember his um, name. I thought I knew it was I knew it had G's um that he pursues this this young girl who is pregnant, Jenna Malone. Um undaunted the whole time um which could be a different conversation about um you know when people say leave them alone leave them alone but so yeah i think tobin's complaint is going to be that he's too nice um i i liked the storyline that he had been kind of a literal underdog that that he was you know his nickname is seth the shrimp which is 
like also not okay, right? That's part of that, the list and the stereotypes. And the, so he's also in that sense a victim of the system. And he, uh, and again, we get a little sprinkling of um, he has likely been uncomfortable by some cultural appropriation and and probably some um, implicit and explicit racism in mm-hmm. in their lives in the way that you know he says there's this party it's Hawaiian themed um, <laughs> but but again not not that doesn't become his whole thing that's just part, right. one of the things that's part of him so in that the way they set him up I I did believe him to be I think you know especially in a high school kind of frame if he had struggled early on and been not the cool kid, not the whatever kid, then most likely he grew some empathy and and then grew six inches. I I didn't need the like cut six pack shot. <laughs> that made me uncomfortable because his face to me was I would believe he's 17. And then like, oh, he hasn't eaten anything tasty in many, many <laughs> moons so um so i yeah i would have i would have done it without that shot and and i would have liked him better there tobin what did you think boy you know me really well um i loved him in book smart and i loved him here i thought he was great i find this actor incredibly charming and um I don't know. I, I've not seen Saved since we would have been talking about it however long ago. Um, I was not bothered by his being perfect for her in this moment. Um, I think that, um, A, ha- if this movie is, if, if, if uh, Brian, as you were saying, talking about representation for, for different people in the movies, to have an example of how to be, uh, you know, an ally and a good person and a friend and a love interest and a, you know, a a romantic partner and a sexual partner and be your own person and be no one to say, no, you're, you're not treating me well. I'm not going to do this if you're not going to treat us like people. Like, I I think that's a wonderful thing for all of us, but I'm thinking specifically for young people, young men in particular who watch this movie to see an example of how to do that. And, and um, I think that that's, I think that's wonderful and he's super charming. It's totally cute. And I think I, I, um, you know, there's a long history in uh, that. I won't bore everyone with, but in melodrama in um, American, like classical Hollywood of the love interest being an ideal, like a perfection. And that the main character struggle has to do with whether or not they're in a place where they can accept that they're worthy of, that which is not well, it's not quite the right word, but they're ready for it. Whether they're ready to accept something that that is something they, that they absolutely want, that they do deserve, they just don't know it yet, or something like that. And this feels in that vein of yeah, let's have a character who is who has done some work and been through some stuff and is on the other side of some of that work and is holding out a hand, ready to you know he says, "Or I've supported you from the beginning." And he has, he has, and like that. I think it's great to see. I thought he was great and charming, and I think he's I think he's wonderful. It reminds me a little bit of um, what they did in Frozen 2 to talk about uh, another contenders movie <laughs> with giving Kristoff um, the love interest mm. for Anna in, in that franchise, that um, 80s ballad, Lost in yeah. the Woods, which I listen to still sometimes, um, that 
you know, when has the Disney prince, not counting Aladdin, right? A, a prince and a princess movie had an emotional ballad about his place mm. in the story, his place right. in the relationship, questioning right. where he ought to be and, and all that. So I I sort of, I connected those two um, in my mind as a, you know, 21st century, how to be a prince. Like it's, it's reflective and it's, it's soul searching and it's listening. And um, so, yeah, I liked that as well. And I think that's where this movie is kind of really groundbreaking in his character. It's because that shoe didn't drop. Um, glad you brought up some like, you know, past, uh, I get, well, you know, past things that happen in films or especially high school films, right? Like we look at uh, Jake Ryan and 16 Candles for years. Everyone's like, this is the guy. He's so yeah. perfect. We watch him now. We're like, what? You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why I found it so fascinating. And I was just waiting to be disappointed. And I would have been <laughs> so angry if he turned out to be like a jackass. You know what I mean? Right. I would have right, been like, what right. the? Uh, you know? So when he wasn't, I, it was like, Holy shit. This is kind of cool. This is awesome. And, and there's space for this guy. Cause there really, right. really hasn't been till today space for this person. Cause even the nice guys in these movies, there's a little something off when we watch it back. Yeah. Sure. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Can I bring up one more thing before I know we're, we're running here, but uh, yeah. the relationship with Claudia, Vivian's relationship, she comes. Okay, good. So you, so you take it, you take it then. No, yeah, Cause I want to hear your thoughts about Claudia. I don't have a lot of, I'm, I'm, I have some thoughts, but I want to hear your, how you viewed that friendship and the way that was portrayed sure. in the movie. So the, the one other thing I wanted to talk about was Vivian and Claudia, because that, that was another point where that was where I thought a shoe was going to drop. Um, and it, and it did, but, but in a, a way that I thought worked, we meet Claudia at the very beginning, right? So the first thing we know is that Vivian and Claudia are best friends and have been best friends. So I, what I interpreted from that introduction was that at some point they're going to wander away because of whatever this movie is going to be about, right? And sometimes that's okay. And I, I think there's space, there should be more space in movies for the understanding that people can be very close to us at one point in our lives and mm -hmm. then, and then not others. And, and that's okay. Um, this isn't that, and I'm glad this isn't that, but, uh, but I wondered, right. And I was like, Ooh, is one of them going to screw over the other one? Is Claudia going to tell on them? Like I was thinking of all the things. So the mm -hmm. way that it unfolded that they don't, um, they don't do things the same way. They don't react the same way and that that caused conflict, but then eventually they could come back together. To me, that was a great sort of allegory for the way that I view feminism overall. Right. And that, and, and I think the definition you shared Tobin could lend itself to that. There's a number of definitions and, and I don't care. <laughs> in particular, right? My issue is I, I'm, I'm a feminist because I want equity for everyone regardless. And I feel that that it is beneficial for women, of course, but it's also beneficial for men because misogyny and patriarchy and all that confines men and 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 does violence against men as well. Um, and people who identify outside the binary. So 
the way that they come to peace with, they have different ways of fighting back. They have different strengths. They have different priorities, but in the end, they want the same thing. That's how I view it, right? Like I, I make a lot of jokes that um, older feminists don't like me <laughs> very much um, because I add a little whimsy into the pot. Um, and for folks who have a different set of experiences, there's not yet room for that. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. To me, we can all live in the world and and work toward those larger goals. And it's important that we do it in different ways. Because if everyone did it the exact same way, we would really only hit you know, that one target where there's a bigger target we need to hit. We need a larger swath of, of arrows. So to me, their relationship was a great example of how... I believe feminism works at its best. Well said. Wow. That's that's amazing. So thank you for asking, Tobin. <laughs> what, did you, what, did you, what did you all think? I'm not going to follow that. I'm I'm gonna... <laughs> I agree. Yeah. My, my, the only thing I would say is that well, two things. One, I love the actor who plays Claudia. Mm-hmm. She reminded me a little bit of Olivia Munn. Is that weird that she had? I got that look sometimes. Uh, no, like I, I could believe them as being like cousins or sisters or something. Mm-hmm. No, I think you know? kind of the eyes, the upper part of the face. I also yeah. um, thought that. I, I think that um, it's a I was worried as I'm watching the movie early on and they're such good friends. And then they're she's sort of like upset that. Claudia is upset that Vivian is hanging out with these other people and is outside of the thing. And I, I was worried it was going to go a kind of place like you described where it was, this breaks up their friendship and then she's going to rat her out and become an antagonist. And, and because she had this, as with we've been saying with all these characters, it's so such a real journey where she then tries to help helps in a good way and then go, goes too far in some way, but won't rat her out, but is under this kind of pressure at home that is so unique. I love that they didn't put subtitles on when the mom is yelling at her, when they're, when they're not speaking English. I think that's, it's so cool that, that, um, you know, to, to, when when people when when that happens in these movies and you know exactly what's being you know you don't know exactly what's being said but you know the gist of what's being said and you understand the pressure that she is under and she even calls it out to Vivian and says you're white you don't understand what this has been like for me um, and I, I, the fact that the movie is honoring all those experiences and then I'm just going to dovetail that into what you were saying um, the uh, I love the way it came to that place at the end but I was worried early on I was like oh is this going to be that thing where she's then like the mustache twirler and is like going to screw things up later on. And, and not really, I mean, no, not really. Like it becomes an obstacle in some ways, but not in, not in a way that isn't genuine. And that's maybe a thing I respond to the most in this movie is there's a, an earnestness and a genuineness to it that, that really hits me. That's going to not work for everybody. I, I understand that, but as a genuine and earnest person, uh, I really respect that. And that the movie is going to sort of, cause it's not a cool path. It's not cool. The way book smart can be cool. Um, it's not trying to be cool. Like there's no, it's not different. It's a different kind of swagger that this movie has. And, um, I, I'm glad it does because as you say, a different arrow toward a different part of the target. Uh, and it, it sort of achieves that, I think. 
Yeah, and I feel like you could pivot, as we said before, you could pivot to any of these, uh, you know, young women's stories and find something like that. It's just like, oh, would you like to know more? Sure, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and seeing her as she expresses it and she addresses what is, you know, has been a criticism of not just the film, but a lot of uh, one of the big criticisms there, just uh, the race-based stuff um you know being a latin person myself like i said there was a character i could identify with here i mean i'm not an afro latin person so not in that respect but um it just was just nice to see someone not just how can i say someone say it not just be it not just be the notes around Mm. like oh shit boom she said it it's like that was like a bravo moment for me (laughs) yeah no i I love it and i also for that like the claudia character i don't think she would have said that at the beginning of the movie Mm. right so she right right kind of lets us know if we weren't paying enough attention or or if we weren't used to it and you know in this kind of movie that she has also been on this journey you know like you said tobin this has been hard for her um and yeah and i think they the two of them played it beautifully because in that right in that band of misfits they are also a like a little dyad right there <laughs> and so at different points in the movie they're closer or further away and um and i yeah there's lots i liked about it now i have to say something here for the folks listening who are not looking at it we have called out uh, a lot of mustache twirling in this episode, more than typically. And I'm sitting looking at two people who typically have mustaches. They're hiding them with the goatee and or beard. Of, I mean, all three of us have mustaches. Let's be honest, it's pandemic, but <laughs> so I don't. Just saying, I don't know. I don't know if that's the marker we should be using. Guilty as charged, you know. I am just pure evil, so. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I use my beard to hide the rest. You're right. <laughs> so, would you all like to be creative with me? Yes. This is a this is a change. This is not a game. This is uh this is creativity. It, it is a game, but it's more open ended than a game. All right. All right. It's Throwing a curveball here. Be winners and losers. Okay. Um, okay. As long as there's points. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed early on um this the one of the catalysts for change at this school in this film is this list and it's not exactly the same as like the yearbook best of um superlative honorifics but it to me it's in that same lane it's it's that um the unofficial although looking back sometimes the shit that got through the official ones yeah. is oh yeah wild totally. And, totally and i know this is something um that comes up on high school slumber party as well so uh you could have a leg up here brian and also we could create something here that could be useful to us all in the future so With our, Tobin already said, intersectional and liberation-minded premise here, I would like us to come up with a list. Because in um, the, a couple people in this movie did that thing that annoys me, 
which I know they were supposed to, of like, ooh, these days you got to be careful, right? That like, ooh, consent is awkward and I don't know how to talk to people. (laughs) Okay, but you're, let's not even. Um, And that happens a little bit, right? Like the Ike Barinholtz has a little of that, ooh, ay, 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 I don't have late parts. But I liked him doing that because it reminded me of like, yeah, like, that <laughs> I agree. it was purposeful it, it was it was intentional in in this um and it reflects what happens right i mean as a person who works right. in this field um people will say oh you're not gonna like this joke and then tell it or oh but i, I can't i can't <laughs> say that around you or whatever to say that i see the world is changing and i'm gonna sit here or not change <laughs> right right i'm uncomfortable so i would like us to to instead embrace a future where absolutely there will be humor and there will be jokes and we can have fun. We're just not going to call anyone a C word while we do it. So I would. This like, is your whimsy. My whimsy. Thank you. Yeah. I would like some 21st century honorifics. What would a class of 2021, what would be. Something that we could call out and and give someone the title of that would not be based exploitative and would not be abusive and would not be harassing. Hmm. So instead of most bangable, you know, what would it be? I know it's open-ended, and I thank you for going on this journey with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write them down. And so then, Brian, if we decide to use any of them in the future. Good uh, idea. Good idea. So one that I thought of because it was in my head to begin with was Mm -hmm. social justice warrior. That's one, right? That's that's a good one. That's a good one. Good one, for sure. Thank you. Ooh, this is tough. How about... um, (laughs) Most likely to be a TikTok millionaire. Yes. Ooh, I like that. I'm seeing a lot of crafts in mine. I'm trying to think of the proper craft, but you know, like I feel like we yeah. should reward more yeah. people for crafts, right? Like, totally. Washi totally. tape everywhere, just like you know, crafts. So I need to come up with a good title though for that one. Nice washi tape. Whoa! On I got cue. tons of washi tape. I'm showing my my basket of washi tape. <laughs> What are we talking about? Washi tape. Crafts. Washi tape. I use it on my walls. Oh, yes. Your murder <laughs> wall. Yeah. Right. I'm showing off my tape. I, I mean, as again, as an Amy Poehler fan, um, right, the Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman do a crafting competition show. Right. Right. Good call. Uh, making it, right? So what, what would the award be? Oof. You can't because if you um, say if you say someone's crafty, there's like a sinister side to it. Right, so. <laughs> mustache twirly. Yeah. Could you say most likely to win make making it? Sure. If that's if that's their show, no, there's yeah. no okay, okay, that's just possibility. Oh, I don't know. I'm putting it down. I was thinking, think about um, like a most tangibly creative. <laughs> That's another one I, I was thinking about too, but like, how do you reward that? Like, how do you decide yeah. that? Like, <laughs> oh, that's tough. But there's almost everything comes with something, right? That we reward intelligence already, right? We reward 
trying to think of the old archaic yearbook thing. Right. Like best most couple. likely to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Best like, couple's so weird. Right, know, right, right. Next yeah. um next shark tank something. Contestant. The other one, do you remember like most likely to be arrested? I didn't yeah. have that one. That's a crazy one. <laughs> yeah, or like, teacher's teacher's pet was always being with handcuffs and stuff. We had we, had, we yeah. had one most likely to brighten up your day, which oh, that was a nice one. That's good. When I that's was going nice. through it, like uh, one of these days, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a good one. I like that one. Ironically, it's someone who I know very well who's most I mean least likely to brighten up my day these days. But <laughs> whatever, we can be hopeful back then, you know. Or you know, just the most hopeful one is nice too. You know, yeah. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. School spirit is a weird thing to write. <laughs> like, a, I'm not, I'm not against school spirit. Again, I host a show called high school slumber party, but yeah. <laughs> it tends to be skewed in a certain way at a certain time. And usually to a cheerleader or something. And I don't know. Uh, so that one's a little bit tough. Ooh, ooh, this is going to get me thinking on this one. There's a lot of uh, potential yeah. here. And listeners to either Contenders or High School Slumber Party, please tweet us with what you would like to see. Like, what is the future? If there's a future for these kinds of shout outs, um, you know, what would they be? We didn't even talk about like the $10,000 that the, what I am assuming is upper middle class white dude who's good at sports won. Yeah. There's so much subtleties in this film with that, right? Like how it's like the sporting goods owner giving it out, who's been on the team and stuff. And, and that's to me a mark of a good film. We could probably talk two or three more hours on this film if we wanted to. <laughs> could, could we say something like um, most likely to change the world, most likely to change minds, most likely to lead a revolution. Um, I'm thinking about, thinking about characters from, from this yes. movie and what they might, what they might be. I like most likely to lead the revolution. Yeah. Most revolutionary. I like that. that that's cool. That's awesome. We do most comfortable in their own skin or is that too close to like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one that would be more corporeal <laughs> without, without being like body specific or something. I don't know. Yeah, you're on the right track. I think, you know, we could change the wording a bit. But yeah, like most comfortable in general, you know. Most comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Most comfortable. Yes. Um, Captain Sweatpants. (laughs) We're all Captain Sweatpants. I I was having trouble as I was thinking earlier. um, As as someone who once won a a photogenic award, how do you how do you do best smile in an era where don't tell me to smile? You know what I mean. And maybe that's yeah. most hopeful. Maybe most likely to brighten your day. We've already for the brighten the day. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I you know the person who can make their own soup and stuff. Like most likely to yeah. live an apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's good though. That's a really that's really good. good. That's a because there that's is really someone good. you can think of with that. Yeah, most likely that's really good. Apocalypse. Maybe a little too real these days, but yeah. so re- that's a really good one. I like that one. <laughs> that's good. Right. That's good. Final call. Any others that we're thinking? As of? soon as as soon as we hang up this call, I'm going to think of twenty. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So yeah, we'll tell you, we can, we'll come out play on Twitter. Um, Very true. So far, 
I'm just going to say what we have. Yeah, list what we've got. Yeah, yeah. Game. It's not it's not a game in the same way. But so I have the Social Justice Warrior Award, most likely to be a TikTok millionaire, most likely to win making it, most likely to brighten your day, most hopeful, most likely to lead the revolution, most comfortable in their own skin, and most likely to survive an apocalypse. <laughs> There we go. That's a good list. I like That's a good I like list. This. Thank you all for being creative with me. That was fun. Thanks, Angela. That was a good one. So now is the point in our podcast where we decide if this movie is progressive or regressive and give our closing thoughts on Moxie. Is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Brian, what say you? So regressive. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> this is progressive step forward uh so many dings on the bell today i love it and it's there are a lot of again teen movies that come out and have a similar message but the fact that this one can get the eyes on it is so amazing to me so pluses all around for the progression of this film really again appreciated watching it and it's enjoyable too it's a fun movie yeah, too yeah. so it's not just a that's just a lesson and 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 what we should be or how, how things should be you know so appreciated it all around awesome Aslan, what about you absolutely i agree i think of you know everything we've talked about all the names i read both in in front of and behind the camera that the source material um from this woman's experience in this work is really awesome and inspiring and just makes me smile. Um, I love Amy Poehler. I love, I love that this is the story, a story she chose to tell. Um, and then because of my work and biases, I love that none of it was about whether or not anything happened. We, mm. we, we believed these characters and, and I, Yes, I would. I would love more people. I hope people watch this movie. Absolutely progressive. I think it will inspire others and lead to other work like this. And I think that's fantastic. Tobin. Yeah, I agree. Progressive, hundred percent. Obviously, every I echo everything that's been said. I didn't love this movie, but I'm so glad this movie exists, and I really liked it. And I think that there are. Uh, you know, there, there's a demographic for whom this movie is going to be very key and very important. And I'm glad it's being seen uh, that way. And um, so I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great movie. Um, and I think that uh, both in front of and behind the camera, it's a, 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 hopefully a more common thing that we get a bunch more of these movies tackling these things in a, in a whimsical way uh, at times, uh, as, as Aslan says, and with as much care um, as this movie takes. And so I'm really, really, really glad it exists. Awesome. Um, Aslan, what movie are we going to talk about next? This was a surprise episode. We did not announce this one. This one just dropped on everybody. So back to regularly scheduled programming. What are we going to do next for real? Next for real, as a reminder, we are going to do the 40-year-old version, B-E-R-S-I-O-N, um, from 2020. That will come to you, um, that will drop in the feed on March 30th. Yay. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. This was Hi. an absolute pleasure. <laughs> are you um, are you online? Are there places folks can find you? Where where do they find you to talk to you? Where do they find you to listen to your other podcast projects? Well, as uh, the slumbers know, class participation is a huge part 
of their grade on high school slumber party. <laughs> so uh, hit me up, high school slumber party, pretty much everywhere. Uh, well, not not TikTok, but <laughs> uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I love hearing from everyone. I love talking about these movies with everyone. And of course, you can listen to me on my show, High School Slumber Party, and Island and I on High School Slumber Party AP, which will be for now the first of every month. But there's so many great movies I want to cover. Maybe we'll up that eventually. Who knows? But baby steps. Let's let's start. <laughs> let's start slow and easy. And I, I really, really get, cannot wait to uh, you know just dissect some of these modern movies with each other. Um, so again, first of every month, Cage Club Podcast Network wherever you get your podcast. And I think we decided that the first film we were going to do, Island together, was another 2021 teen film. This one is on Amazon. It's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. I haven't seen it yet. I'm excited to see it. So, I mean, and that's what we'll be talking about on May 1st. And again, just if you like teen movies and if you like this episode, hang out with me on High School Slumber Party every Friday and sometimes Mondays. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, I love I love the conversations. I love all the fun segments and um, kind of the the bonus questions and things. I think are fantastic. It's Tobin. a slumber party atmosphere. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's what I like to have. Just like a easygoing slumber party atmosphere. We don't even, you know, I'm not looking at the time. We're just talking and having a good one and you know, like a slumber party. And maybe, you know, we all fall asleep at the end. Who knows? But hopefully you don't. <laughs> hopefully no one pees their pants. <laughs> you throw to me with that? Are you implying something? Um, uh, I cannot wait for the show, y'all. I cannot wait for your show. This is going to be really cool. Um, something, something to look forward to as spring brightens our doorsteps. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, all one word, where I am uh, generally less angry these days, which is uh, which is really nice. And sometimes post post pictures of my dog. Aizel, what about you? It's a cute, cute dog. Um, I am on Twitter sporadically at SassyNerdMT. Um, and I, I don't tweet angrily. I'm still pretty angry, but um, but I don't think it shows up in my tweets at the moment. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who joined at the marquee level or above, Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington, who now have their merch. Yay. Um, as as do others, please find the merch. It's super fun. Go to TeePublic and search for the Contenders Podcast, and you can get mugs and notebooks and tote bag. t-shirts and sweatshirts. Tote bags, tote bags are good. Um, so, and send us pictures. Uh, tweet us pictures if you as you as you get things. We love to see that. Um, thank you, uh, Derek Heckman, for thank sending you. us uh, pictures of you <laughs> of the mugs, uh, the mug that you got. Uh, we here at the Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings over on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Tobin Addington. I'm Brian Rodriguez. I'm Islan Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Excuse my dogs. My dogs That's all right. We love dogs on <laughs> this show. Being creative.
um, with our uh, intersexual inter. Mm-hmm, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be in the bloopers <laughs> yes it is <laughs> intersexual that's where intersexual goes in the bloopers I'm marking it down right now can you hear the train no okay. <laughs> adventures in audio okay <laughs>